It's true that men have widely wielded the needle as tailors and couturiers, soldiers and sailors, making and mending garments without impairing their masculinity. But in Civvy Street, there remained something marked about men who embroidered for fun. In his new book, Queering the Subversive Stitch, Men and the Culture of Needlework, Joseph McBrin explores the cultures of men with needles and how ideas of gender and needlework are sewn together. He talked to Culture Files Eleanor Flegg about another world of hidden stitches. This book is the first book to look at the history of men's engagement with needlework. And that is a long history. And my idea of the book was really to try and present a series of case studies or a series of ways of understanding it, which wasn't about establishing a canon. It was about maybe problematizing and unpacking some of the assumptions we have about needlework and its association with the feminine. The title comes from a long kind of debate with myself. And Rodziska Parker's 1984 book, The Subversive Stitch, is the starting point for anybody who wants to write about the history of embroidery or needlework more broadly. And it is an extraordinary book, which really is is about opening up how society constructs and shapes us and how cultural production is part of that, and how gender is quite malleable and quite constructed for you. But excluded from her discussion about the history of embroidery is that debate about, you know, people who identify as men or people who are born biologically and feel they they remain men. You know, there's kind of an exclusion of a whole area. So I thought there was an opportunity to, to kind of continue the discussion, not to answer it or to develop it or to add to it. It was just to continue that discussion. The one question people do ask me about the book is if I sew, and the answer to that is no, I don't. I grew up in a working class family and of a certain age where people did repair and mend and, and remake things. So my mother sewed, she didn't knit, she didn't, she didn't do needlework for pleasure. She would use sewing particularly to mend things, you know, so it was quite functional. But her mother, my maternal grandmother, um, was very skilled as a seamstress. And I think I grew up, you know, aware of it as a skill and very respectful of it as a skill and conscious of its economic value. But I was always puzzled as to its alignment with women. Growing up as a boy, I think it, it was always questionable that I was interested in it. I used to thread my mother's needle. I remember that when I was a child. But my sisters were not interested in it at all. So for me, it always felt like it wasn't biological destiny for a woman. You know, it was more to do with the social context in which they had to exist. My mother felt she had to repair things, so she had to sew. I suppose historically what I've uncovered is that gay men excluded um, from cultural production in in uh, in a proper way, uh, like women, you know, reduced being on the outside of, say, the art world, uh, would turn to things which were within their own orbit. So for women, 
I think historically what we've learned from books like The Subversive Stitch is the idea that women would turn to the domestic kind of realities of their existence and needlework was one of those. So it was a subversion of that. It became, you know, no longer a means to suppression, but a, a tool for subversion. And I think for gay men, that also became a very powerful means of subversion. So what you find in certainly the 20th century is these elements of subcultural performance where almost like drag, you know, men would take elements of a, a sort of idealized femininity or a hyper femininity and perform those. So needlework in some ways fits into those discourses. But I think for straight men, it became more problematic because male identity is, is constantly under surveillance and constantly policed. It, it's so obviously unmasculine that it could only happen in certain contexts, like a lot of homosocial contexts where there weren't a lot of women like the Navy or the Army. You know, you'd, you'd get men there having to learn basic sewing skills right up until the mid-20th century to repair their kit. And they were given the little needlework kits that historically in the British armor were called, were called housewives. Of all the um, images in the book, there is one very striking one. It is a panel from the AIDS quilt, which is this huge undertaking which came about in the mid-1980s to commemorate um, those who had died of AIDS. And I just want to read you what it says on, on the panel. It says, My name is Dwayne Kearns per year. I was born on December 20, 1964. I was diagnosed with AIDS on September 7, 1984 at 4.45pm. I was 22 years old. Sometimes it makes me very sad. I made this panel myself. If you are reading it, I am dead. So the panel was made in 1988 by Per Year. He was from Texas, um, but it was made for a march in, in Washington where a lot of people would make panels and, and bring them and, and display them. But some, some people who, who were diagnosed with AIDS who were going to die made their own panels. The panels are extraordinary to look at because they're designed in the shape of an average grave, about one metre by, by two, two metres. But the fact um, that it was made by this young man, and he was so aware of what was going to, to happen. The tragedy is in every stitch. And when Puryear was returning back to Dallas, so he was going back to Texas from Washington, he lost the panel, but it was photographed in Washington. And after he died, his mother remade the panel and it was sent to the, uh, the AIDS quilt organization is now integrated into the quilt. And for me, it was one of the running themes in the book, that relationship between mothers and sons. And I think as I started possibly talking um, about my own experience of growing up and watching my mother and my, my grandmother sew and, and the powerful impact that had on in me, you know, making me think about skill, thinking about the value of labor, thinking about why we do things and the pleasure of things. It struck me as, as, as a theme that ran through, and a thread, I suppose, that ran through a lot of the case studies in the book. And this proved to be one that really struck me. And what I felt was I wanted to give some space to this because it's an image which is constantly reproduced. The, the, the per year um, panel is reproduced so many times 
and never ever talked about and there's no discussion ever about that relationship between the mother and son and that that very powerful um, relationship that many of us are, are fortunate enough to have felt in our lives. Joseph McBrin there talking to Eleanor Flegg and queering the subversive stitch Men and the Culture of Needlework by Joseph McBrin is published by Bloomsbury.